0: You can go ahead and have a seat. Thanks again so much for joining us this Christmas Eve. Something we love to do as a church family is get together on Christmas Eve before we kind of scatter and go our separate ways with our families on Christmas Day to kind of set the tone by gathering as a church family, singing some of these familiar carols and taking some time to reflect. You know, if we're going to spend the rest of the day today and tomorrow eating a lot of food, spending time with family, want to give ourselves something to think about. Uh, for the next day. And today I want us to think about that idea of a thrill of hope. Those Those are words that we just sang, right? In that song, O Holy Night, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Well, as 2020 wraps up, I don't know that I've ever seen the world more weary and in need of rejoicing. Where's that thrill of hope going to come from? Or even not so much thinking about it from the whole perspective of the whole world, just thinking about ourselves and, and Christmas. It gets me thinking about another Christmas song that's much less sacred than a holy night, but it begins familiarly, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, and a couple lines later, it says, tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. Do you remember that, everyone? Do you remember that time when you were a kid and that line was true of you? We got, we got some kids here today that they're like, yeah, that, that's that's the way it's going to be for me tonight. But many of us, that's the way it used to be, right? You remember Christmas Eve and you're, you're in bed thinking and you're just, man, if I can if I could just fall asleep, then it'll be Christmas. And so you close your eyes and you're like, fall asleep, fall asleep, fall asleep, fall asleep. How does that work for you, right? Not very well. And that was the hardest night of the year to fall asleep when you were a kid because you wanted to fall asleep so bad. You had a, a thrill of hope about what was going to happen the next morning. But it's something pretty much all of us, you, you kind of grow out of it. And if there's kids here today that you're like, no, never, we'll just give it a few years. And by the time you're in high school, your parents will probably be dragging you out of bed uh, to open up those Christmas presents, right? That thrill of hope, it for many of us when it comes to Christmas, even if it is some of just the superficial things, it's not what it used to be. And when we look out at our world, it's, it's a weary, weary place right now. So where are we going to find a thrill of hope this Christmas? That's the question that I want us to ask and hopefully give an answer to today in just a few minutes, a brief time here. But, Stephen, since we got... Kids in all ages in the room, if you want to take your Bibles and turn, we're going to look at several different places, but we'll put it all on the screen if you just want to uh, look there. But first, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We, We see images of this thrill of hope. Verses 2 and 3 say, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil, right? A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoicing. People in darkness, they've seen a great light. Well, where's all this coming from? Verse six, very familiar Christmas verse. Even though it was written hundreds of years before Christ, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder. In his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then look at what the next verse says, verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, that's a verse that we start looking at, and we start saying, okay, where is that? Uh, a king reigning on David's throne in a kingdom that lasts forever, where is that? You, you know, we pull out our phones to check the news, or we open up the newspaper, and we look over at what's going on at Israel, and we see it's not somebody reigning on David's throne. There's a prime minister, and it's about a new election and scandal and all these different things, and the Dome of the Rock is still on the Temple Mount. Hey, where's... Where's the king on the throne of David ruling with justice and righteousness forever? When's that going to happen? Well, we're not the first people that have asked that question. In fact, that gets asked in Acts chapter 1. So Isaiah, this is hundreds of years before Christ. Acts chapter 1, now Christ, he's been born, he's lived, he's died on the cross, and he's risen again. And now he's with his disciples and they ask him in Acts 1, 6, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It makes sense to them, right? They've got their Old Testaments. They know what Isaiah 9, 7 says. All right, Jesus, you've come into the world. You've you've taught everybody. You died on the cross and then you rose again from the dead. Booyah, like kingdom, let's go. It's kingdom time, Jesus. And look at what Jesus says in verses 7 and 8. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until and the end of the earth. He says, No, I'm not going to tell you the timing of the kingdom. I'm not going to tell you how that's all going to work. And in fact, we're going to enter this new phase now where you're going to be my witnesses to all over the world. And when He says that, verse 9, And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Jesus ascends back into heaven. He says, "Uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you when the kingdom is going to happen, but be my witnesses. Peace. And boom, he's gone. He is headed back to heaven. And then the next two verses, as the disciples were gazing into heaven, I mean, you can imagine that, right? Like, all standing there, their mouths probably just like wide open, like what in the world did we just see? Two men stood by them in white robes, two angels, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So right there from the first moments that Jesus ascends into heaven, angels come bearing this very clear message, Jesus is coming back. And as we think about our weary worlds, we think about our own weary hearts, that's what I want to encourage us with today for that thrill of hope. Jesus Christ is coming back. And he made that clear. As soon as he left, that was the message. And that's something for us worth getting excited about. As you put your head on your pillow this Christmas Eve, that's something worth thinking about. That this baby we're about to celebrate being born in a manger, well, he's coming back as a king. And we're looking forward to that day. And I wanna give us briefly three reasons why that should fill us with hope. And the first reason is that God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. That should be at the forefront of our minds every Christmas because that's what we're celebrating. A lot of promises that God kept. And it really goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 3.15. This is right after Adam and Eve sinned. This is actually a part of the curse that God has given. But even in the curse, God is talking about a future blessing. Genesis 3.15, he says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He, one of the woman's offspring, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This, there's a someone coming from the offspring of this woman that is going to crush your head, serpent. And then the Bible starts getting more specific. Genesis 12, God starts talking to a guy named Abram. And he makes him all these promises about a, a country and a great nation and, and this land that he is going to get. But look at the very last phrase there. It says, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And I think there's a few things involved in that. But I think, again, the the primary thing he's talking about is, hey, it's going to be from this nation of Israel that a Savior is going to come, not just for the nation of Israel, but for the whole world. A Savior is going to come and all the families of the earth will be blessed. By the end of Genesis, we know that Savior is going to come from the tribe of Judah. When King David shows up, God makes it clear, hey, it's going to be one of your descendants, David. And then God starts getting even more specific. Isaiah 7, 14 says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And we open up our Bibles to the Christmas story in Matthew chapter one. And we read, you know what Matthew says? Hey guys, remember when Isaiah said the virgin was gonna conceive and have a son? This virgin Mary that I'm talking to you about? God's keeping his promises. God is doing exactly what he said he would do. And so this baby, Jesus, will be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then if we were to flip to Matthew chapter 2 in that Christmas story and read about the wise men coming, remember, they show up and they say, hey, uh, question, where is the king of the Jews going to be born? And everybody scratches their head and says, that's a good one. We have no idea. No. They were like, oh, that's easy. Micah 5.2, Bethlehem. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Like God had already said hundreds of years before that the Messiah is gonna come, born of a virgin, born in the city of Bethlehem. And then at Christmas, it all happened just like God said It would. So at Christmas, what we remember is God keeps his word. And so when God says Jesus is coming back, he's going to keep that promise too. Now it's easy for us to think okay, those angels talking to the disciples, that was a long time ago. That was almost 2,000 years ago. That's a long time. Well, Remember we talked about God making his promises to, to Abraham? and you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Do you know about how long it was from when God made that promise to when that promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ? Almost 2,000 years. God's timetable works a little different from yours and mine, or at least how we wish it would work, right? God sometimes takes what we think of as his time, but he always keeps his promises, And so when we think about things that Jesus said like this in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So what if Jesus said that almost 2,000 years ago? It's true. And he's going to keep his promises every single word of them. We can trust that. We can bank on that. And we know that God not just keeps his promises. We know Jesus is coming back. But the Bible also says about a lot about what it's going to be like when he does. We've talked a lot about Isaiah 9-7 so far, right? The, this government of peace that has no end. And Him ruling on the throne of His father David with justice and righteousness forever. I mean, does that sound good to you? I mean, that that sounds more than good. That sounds better than good. So I'm giving you three reasons. The first is God keeps His promises. We should have a thrill of hope that Jesus is coming back. But second, Christ's kingdom, it's going to be better than good. Like we can't even put into words how good it's going to be. The Bible says this later in the book of Romans. It says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I love that the Bible doesn't minimize the hard things or the suffering or the pain of life. It's actually very upfront about those things. if If you read the Bible, you should expect there's going to be a lot of suffering and pain in this life what he's saying here is, hey, the suffering that we're experiencing now, he's not saying that the bad isn't bad. He's just saying it's not nearly as good as the good is going to be when Christ comes back. Well, we can't even compare the two. I want to talk to you a little bit about a Christmas song where we're going to end our time with singing in just a few minutes. It says, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing, right? (laughs) You know the song. We'll we'll sing it in a couple minutes, but I've got news for you. It's not a Christmas song. Did you know that? Did you know that the guy that wrote that song wasn't thinking of Jesus being born in the manger, that the advent, the first advent that, you know, we we think about, he was thinking of what theologians call the second advent advent, when Christ will come again as king. And you're like, well, wait, what do you mean? Well, let's, let's look at some of the other verses. Second verse, joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Right, that He's going to sit on the throne forever and ever. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat this sounding joy, All right? Even creation is going to be joining in because creation is going to be fixed. Verse 3. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground, right? Thorns, that's specifically part of the curse in Genesis 3. When Jesus comes back, done with that, done with this world being broken, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. Verse 4, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness And wonders of his love. Jesus will come and he will reign and everything in the world is going to be right. Now, I think one thing we could all agree on is that we get to live in a pretty amazing place here in Idaho. Can I get an amen from the congregation, right? It's an amazing place. And even right now, it's interesting. It's a place for many of prosperity where people are even coming here to seek a better life for themselves. And we look around with the the mountains and the river and the trees and the fields, and we see the beauty of God's creation. And we know that here there's so much for us to enjoy. I mean, I like to say, if you're in Idaho and you're bored, there's something wrong with you, right? Like, there's so many things to do here. But even as we look around and see, well, this is a pretty amazing place, we see it still has its problems. Sure, it's a place of prosperity for a lot of people, but not for everybody. And we see, the beauty of the earth, it's, it's broken. And there's so many things in our lives that keep us from enjoying all that God has to offer through His creation. We still feel the effects of the curse every day. Now imagine a place that doesn't have any of that, right? And all the good things that we get to experience in this world, in beautiful places, in places like Idaho, it's just a little taste of what God can do. And imagine the good things of that God has created in this world without any of the bad, any of the curse. That's what the kingdom of Christ is going to be like. And obviously, that's not even the best part. The best part is that Christ will be there and we will be with him forever. The Bible makes clear it's going to be a very real place. When you think about being with Christ forever in his kingdom, stop thinking about robes and clouds and harps and naked babies with wings, right? Get those thoughts out of your head. That's not what heaven is going to be like the Bible describes it as a new earth and a big city where where Christ will reign and we will experience all the good things of earth without any of the bad. There's going to be trees and rivers and fruit and we will worship the lamb and it's going to be better than good. It's going to be amazing. Now, one question we should ask is, well, how how do I make sure I get into that kingdom? How, How do I make sure that I'm a part of that? And thankfully the Bible, it's really clear about that it makes it clear that it's not by good works or just by being a good person. It's not by, hey, I checked the box. I went to the Christmas Eve service. I'm good. No, the words the Bible uses most often are repentance and faith. It's about turning from our sin, admitting I have a problem. In fact, I am a problem. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And turning from that sin to trust this savior that we celebrate as Christmas to know that he is the one that we need. And it's important for everyone here that you know the answer to that question. Are you headed for this kingdom of Christ? Have you turned from your sin and put your faith in Christ? And it's important that you don't just take your time answering that question because of our third reason today. When is this going to happen? Jesus made it clear, I'm not going to tell you. But he does give us a word that he uses a lot in the Bible to describe when it's going to happen, and that word is soon. Christ is coming back soon. And we see that all over the New Testament. In fact, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the very first verse says this, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to the servant John. And then the second to last verse of the book of Revelation, the second to last verse of the whole Bible, Jesus, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And that's the vibe we get from the whole New Testament. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, but he's coming back soon. Jesus says, "Hey, if I leave, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you." Paul says, "Hey, be ready cuz in in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. We will meet the Lord in the air." Or he says this in Philippians 3, "Our citizenship is in heaven." And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. If these guys thought that Jesus was coming back soon, 2,000 years ago, how much more urgency should you and I have, expecting that Jesus Christ is coming back soon? Does that give you a thrill of hope? Is that something you ever even think about? Do you ever think, you know, hey, maybe we won't be gathering next Christmas Eve because Jesus Christ will have come back to, to get us like he promised that he would in John 14. We should have that kind of readiness, that kind of expectation, that kind of hope. Mark 13, Jesus says this. He says several things, starting in verse 33. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Mark 13, 35 and 37 says, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Jesus is coming back soon. Be ready. Stay awake. And even think back to those Christmases of yesteryear. You know, when all you could do was stay awake, no matter how hard you tried to sleep. You just couldn't because you were so excited about what was coming. And that was something, unfortunately, that fades with time. But sometimes with Christians and that expectation, Christ is coming back soon. It's easy for that to fade with time, too. We should have a sense of expectation. We should be wide awake this Christmas Eve, knowing that Jesus Christ is coming And he is coming soon because God keeps his promises, just like he did the first time, just like what we remember at Christmas, God keeps his promises. And we know what this kingdom is gonna be like, amazing, better than we can even describe. And God has made it clear, when is it gonna happen? It's coming soon. So be awake, be ready. And I hope as you put your head on the pillow this Christmas Eve, that thought that Jesus is coming back, And coming back soon gives you a thrill of hope. So let's pray together. Father, we come before you this Christmas Eve, and we want to ask, God, that you would fill our hearts with hope. God, that we would think more about, Lord, even just what we celebrate at Christmas and how amazing it is that Christ came into this world, that he was born in a manger in in Bethlehem, God. And that all those promises that you made, you kept. And God, I pray that that would fill us with promises or confidence. God, that all the promises you have made about Christ coming again, a new heavens, a new earth, new bodies. God, a place where where sin and death and pain and tears are gone forever. That you're going to keep every single one of those promises. And God, I pray that that would fill our hearts with hope and expectation this Christmas God, and that as we enjoy just gifts and and just the joy of life with our families, God, that we would think about what you are coming to do. And that that would fill us with joy this Christmas, God. So we ask that you would work in our hearts, God, that you would send us out of this place this morning and into this Christmas with joy and hope in our hearts, because we know Jesus has come and we know that Jesus is coming back. So we pray all this in his name. Amen.